Hello everyone and welcome to Slow Food, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the beauty and complexity of good, clean and fair food systems. I'm Valentina Gritti, I'm your host and a Slow Food Youth Network activist. On this podcast, we meet change makers around the world who are working towards a more sustainable food system and promote a slow lifestyle. This episode is part of the series Slow Food Goes Brussels, where my co-host Alice Poiron dissects the political debates linked to the greatest challenges food and agriculture are facing. Today, we want to find out more about urban food policies. What are urban food policies? Which issues are they aiming to tackle? And how are citizens and farmers involved in the whole process? And finally, what could be successes and challenges of setting up a sustainable food strategy? Alice, over to you. Locale. Local. Shock. Local. Cambiamento. Tapir. Girdelecte. Sacula idea. Food. Slow Food, the podcast. We have a really high scale of deprivation, obesity epidemic, food desert, food swamps. Food advertising. They are concerned about the climate, a lot of people who live in poverty. Food insecurity. We have a lot of problems about agriculture. It is very difficult for a new farmer to find land. Cities are at the forefront of one of the most pressing problems of our times, food. According to the United Nations, 54% of the world's population were living in urban areas in 2016, and that figure is predicted to rise to 66% by 2050. And wherever people live, they must eat to survive and thrive, ideally several times a day. But in many parts of the world, Europe included, we're not there yet. Right now, the European food system spells only obesity, non-communicable diseases, greenhouse gas emissions, food waste, biodiversity loss, and the impoverishment of medium and small-scale farmers. All the problems I just mentioned are exacerbated in cities, where nature is very far away from people's daily life. With regards to food, it's even more obvious. Urban populations consume tremendous amounts of food, while only producing a fraction of it themselves. This creates both a total disconnection between people and what's on their plate, and a huge dependency on the import of food from far away. Another reality is the fact that the availability of food does not necessarily mean that everyone has equal access to it. The brutal truth is that in many cities, malnutrition coexists with large amounts of food waste. With urban populations on the rise and climate change on the offensive, cities must find ways to address food system challenges for their own population, for the rural producers that serve them, and for the planet. And guess what? Across Europe, a growing number of cities have long since understood their key role in the future of food and have embarked on a journey towards what we call sustainable urban food policy. For this episode, I'm taking you on a small journey to three of these pioneering cities. Bordeaux in France. Birmingham in England. And Groningen in the Netherlands. 
You will discover how they're acting in collaboration with local people and food stakeholders to limit food systems' impact on climate and the environment, improve people's well-being, shorten and strengthen production chain, and guarantee access to good food for all. But first, what are sustainable urban food policies? To explain this big, complicated word to us, I asked for the help of Jael Panzers, Slow Food Policy Officer, specialized in urban food policies. Uh, so urban food policies, it's quite a complex concept, but as well, I think, uh, quite straightforward. Uh, they refer to a set of strategies, regulations, initiatives that are implemented by the local government, uh, and they address uh, a number of different issues that the city and the municipality are facing in regard to food systems. And uh, what are the problems that uh, the cities aim to tackle? So they can work on a number of different fronts when it comes to food and related issues. They can work, for example, on diets, improving the diets of their citizens uh, through improving of the public canteens, for example. They can work on food education uh, in schools. They can uh, regulate how the markets, especially the farmers' market, work. So they can regulate, for example, the hours, the rules, the location the accessibility, etc. They can also work on some rules regarding restaurants, uh, for example, making sure that uh, the urban planning uh, uh, makes sense, they can support uh, cultural heritage. Uh, they can also work more widely on food environment, so they can avoid certain types of food advertising in public spaces, uh, they can regulate the use of public spaces, uh, they can really shape uh, food environments, both for the youth and for adults, in order order to support citizens to make more uh, healthy and sustainable food choices. Clearly, cities are in a prime position to impulse the food revolution. From food advertisement and public procurement in canteens to partnerships with nearby farmers and urban gardens, there are many ways for them to positively impact their citizens' lives. But it's not always easy to foster progress on your own, and learning from others' experience can get you a long way. This is where the Food Trails project comes into play. Back in 2018, 11 European cities, universities and civil society organizations, Slow Food included, came together to create this project, to collaborate and exchange knowledge on how to reimagine, develop and implement sustainable, healthy and inclusive food policies. The cities are all very diverse among themselves. Uh, so some of them are small, some of them are bigger, some of them are on the seaside, some of them are in the mountains, uh, and they also have a different level of development of their urban food policy. They can choose what their priority topic is to work on. And we, as Slow Food, we support them in... Uh, uh, empowering communities, so making sure that uh, the different communities, especially the more disadvantaged ones, are uh, somehow involved uh, in the design and implementation of the urban food policy. The three cities I chose for this episode, Bordeaux, Groningen and Birmingham, are all part of this inspiring Food Trust project. And each of them, in their own way and at their own pace, have started the process for local food revolution. Let's start our journey in France. Back in 2017, the city of Bordeaux on the southern west coast in France decided to set up a sustainable food strategy to tackle rising levels of food poverty. Since then, their project has grown considerably and now touches upon many diverse domains related to food. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. 
Yeah, I can, I can hear you. Okay, great. I asked Apolline Beris Duvigno, food officer at the municipality of Bordeaux, to give us an overview. We have um, a food policy. It is a global food policy, so we we don't work about only one subject like uh, food insecurity or agriculture, but we are working on all the subjects. So agriculture, access to sustainable food for all, education, of course, improve the, the procurement of the canteens. So we really want with this uh, food policy to connect stakeholders together. So we are doing a lot of meetings between the, the stakeholders to create collective projects to, to let people speak together because we, we have a lot of um, stakeholders in the area and we have a lot of stakeholders doing the same things. But uh, we think that if we help them to, to connect, to speak, to work together, we can have like bigger projects and we, we need that. Cities like Bordeaux have set up what they call a food policy council that includes many actors of the food chain. Public organizations, farmers, distributors, food processors like canteens and caterers, as well as people from the education sector. And hear that. In Bordeaux, there are 400 stakeholders from the area who are members of the food policy council. And all these people gather several times a year to discuss food strategy for the city and its neighborhood and help the local authorities to implement it on the ground. Overall, all cities I interviewed agree on one point. The food revolution won't happen without a key ingredient, citizens themselves. In Groningen, one of the biggest cities in the Netherlands, also called the capital of the north, citizen involvement is already well ingrained in the local political culture. But I let Hilde Lavelle and Hilche van der Waal, food officers for the municipality of Groningen, to tell us how it all works. For quite a while, there's a lot of citizens' involvement because we are organized in, as a municipality, we have 225,000 inhabitants, but we have divided politically the, the, the municipality into seven areas. So every politician on the board has his own area. So he's involved in people's well, so to say, daily life, daily system. That's why uh, the politicians are really involved in what uh, matters to people. So there's a lot of citizens' involvement. And uh, what we try to do is give them space to do it themselves, uh, give them sometimes a place where they can grow food or a place where they can cook and come together, think about what what to do with the food there is or what is lacking, etc., etc. So there's a big involvement in the politicians, with the politicians, and also in our our own organization. We try to focus on on this bottom-up involvement of the citizens. So does it mean that you, in Groningen you have community gardens, for example? Yes, quite a lot, and very small uh, initiatives in the streets, for instance, where people can use our uh, municipal. Um, property to grow food and to make the, the, the streets and the, the areas, the dwelling areas more green and more um, eatable, so to say. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, since 2012, our first uh, food policy, we have the, the project Eatable City, in which people can apply for a, a piece of the street or a part of the park to grow food. 
The city of Birmingham, a former industrial centre of the Midlands in England, has more than one million inhabitants. Not easy to make your voice heard, right? Well, thanks to civil society organisations, citizens themselves could actually bring a direct contribution. Slifwood Birmingham and its members, for instance, have been heavily involved in the drafting of the city's food strategy and its implementation. Kate Smith, a Slifwood member who has accompanied the whole process, remembers. We have been heavily involved in the implementation of um, the policy, that we've made comment on it. We've held events and invited our members and um, supporters to come along and learn more about the policy while it was in its draft stage. And hopefully, well, not hopefully, I know that the comments that were taken from those slow food supporters has been taken back and put into their finalised document. So in some ways, yes, we we have influenced that. We have members who are dietitians, people who've coming from a government policy backgrounds, people who understand how government work far better than I do, people who have been involved with growing for many years, people who work with um, food insecurity and um, surplus food. We are now a few years after the adoption of Birmingham's ambitious food policy, and the least we can say is that it has given birth to two fantastic projects. One is happening in Ladywood, which is one of our city's areas of high, high deprivation, but it's also unique in the fact that it has three very distinct types of housing. We've got um, new urban regeneration that um, is designed around community. We have traditional terrace houses um, that have a mixture of homeowners and renting. And then we have a lot of housing estate where, where people are living either on universal credit or with very low incomes. And so this food waste policy is looking at how we can help people divert their food scraps away from their general rubbish. And can we do that using worm farms, bakashi, uh, composting, dropping off your caddy and becoming involved with a local community garden? And what is happening is that we're finding out through this pilot um, and regular workshops with the community, that there's lots and lots of unintended outcomes that are just amazing. We've had a local pub that has said, can you take our food scraps? And at this stage, we're just taking their kitchen scraps rather than their plate scrapings. But as the pilot kicks off and and the people who are learning how to compost on bulk, they'll be able to be confident because they'll be able to treat those those kitchen scraps with bakashi and then put them into hot bins, which mean that there's no safety issues involved. But doing it on a community level, rather than passing it on to our council and saying, you hold the responsibility to look after what we call rubbish, which is exactly why the, the pilot's been called who said this is rubbish? Because what we want people to understand is that at the moment, most of us are part of a linear system, which is make, take, use, lose. And the pilot is introducing people into a circular system, which is make, use, repurpose the surplus, grow, use so it becomes part of a circle. So hopefully people will then start thinking about what other parts of a circle they can create and and we just start living a more sustainable life. 
And while the Who Said This Is Rubbish pilot project is slowly taking off, another one is starting to emerge, the creation of a local food hub at the heart of Birmingham. The other big project that uh, actually Slow Food Birmingham is driving in the city is one where we're wanting to repurpose the top stories of an urban car park. And that's looking at how our food system is now and what um, solutions and what improvements we could make on our food system. And so what Slow Food Birmingham realised was setting up a community garden and a urban growing business and feeding that into the already existing system is not going to work. So what we've done is we've looked at the problems within the food system and we've tried to come up with all sorts of different solutions. We look at last mile delivery and that's using e-cargo bikes or electric vans and it's dropping from one central place that all of the um, producers in the new distribution hub will come into and um, and that will go out to local groups of community groups who order online and they come and collect their orders once a week from a central point. Um, this is expanding the already in place local food hub that Slow Food Birmingham runs in the jewellery quarter for the last four years. And what we want to see is that food hub that we already know operates well to operate in many different pockets around the city. Reconnecting urban people to their food can be a challenge. And what better way to do so than turning the city into a food producer itself? But of course, this cannot feed an entire population because, like we already said, urban areas have gigantic stomachs. And to nourish them properly, we need small-scale sustainable farmers. And cities know this. In recent years, more and more municipalities in Europe have adopted policies to assist local agriculture, which support local and sustainable farming and offer inhabitants an increasing supply of fresh produce. Let's hear about Groningen. So we're talking to all the stakeholders within the food chain we think are important to create this transition and farmers are also one of them. And we realize as a municipality, we can't do this transition alone and we don't want to do it alone because then you have this thing that you as a municipality, as a government say that people have to do. So we want to really do it together. So that's why we're talking now to farmers uh, and to figure out what's going on already within within your business. Um, how do you see the protein transition and how can we help each other within this transition? And we realized that a lot of farmers um, are very willing to, to change and to make a better business, so to say, a more um, better for the environment, but they need some help. So we're trying to figure out what that help is. Partnering up with local small-scale farmers instead of importing food from far away is a win-win. While contributing to the social and economic growth of rural communities surrounding cities, it helps reduce cities' ecological footprint. How? By recycling trash and lowering emissions for transit, packing and storage. Last but not least, it provides people in cities with nutritious and fresh food that might otherwise be unavailable. But once again, for this connection between cities and neighbouring small-scale farmers to work, community engagement is key. Something that Kate Smith from Slowfood Birmingham can certainly confirm. If we want to use small, um, sustainable 
slow-minded producers who ring our city and bring their food into our city, we actually need to go and collect the food. So Distribution Hub will also operate electric vans that go out and collect from small rural producers. And we've worked out that this works because small producers do not want to drive into Birmingham. Um, The traffic, as the UK's second city, is pretty horrible. And we think that farmers have got better things to do with their time, like looking after their soil and their... um, and managing their own business rather than coming into us. So, the process of transforming a city's food system delivers many beautiful outcomes, but it also comes with its own challenges. One of them can be found at all levels of government, the fragmentation of decision-making. Food is such a complex topic that can connect a variety of different policies, like climate, social ambitions, education or labour. And it's not always easy for all public administrations to find a consensus. For example, the food insecurity and the social part is the competency of another public administration So when we decided to add some actions about that in our food policy, some elected representatives told us that it wasn't our role to do that. So we had to explain that uh, people are starving in the area. So we have to do the thing we can do and uh, others, public service can do other things, but... uh, We need to to work together to have more money to help people. That's very difficult because when when you want to do something, because of the law, you can't. Another problem that many municipalities encounter is one that many sectors are faced with nowadays, the lack of money and resources. Challenges are for us always money and people um, because it's, it's still... Even though we work on it uh, for quite some time, it's every year it feels a bit like it's new. So um, there's no structural money for it. We're trying to change that, but that's a bit difficult. And all municipalities and I think all businesses also in the the Netherlands now have a lack of people. There are not enough employers to work on it. So that's also something we we are struggling with. Uh, We can't do all the work we want to do because we don't have enough people. Despite these hurdles, the food change is gaining ground in cities across Europe and it's being warmly welcomed by their citizens. The members of the Food Policy Council were so happy and so positive about this at the end of the work to create the food policy. The members of the Food Policy Council were like, yeah, we trust in this project and we are sure that something is going to change, that the food system is going to be better thanks to this food policy. And thank you for your engagement and thank you for working with us. So yeah, that's that's huge. We have a real uh, network of stakeholders. I think the, the connection we created with all the stakeholders is the biggest success. 
the Who Said This Is Rubbish campaign um, needed 120 sign-ups to be able to assign people to the control group and the different methods within those three different communities that I was talking about earlier. And we've reached that within sort of four weeks of starting sign-ups. They've already run quite a few of their workshops and uh, the amount of people that are turning up for those workshops is quite amazing. And the conversations that are happening over WhatsApp in these groups and also people are now starting to say, I've just told my friend about the food waste pilot. Can, can they be included? Due to their very nature, cities are hotspots for alternative practices and experimentation, which are vital to address the urgent challenges that European societies are faced with. With a future clouded with climate change, wars and food instability, it is easy for you, me and all citizens to feel powerless and discouraged. But we should not despair. As you heard, many political actors at city level are working hard to make a better, stronger food system. And what they need is for their citizens to support their projects and take action. The food revolution has already started in many cities across the continent, and it's not about to stop. And who knows? If you're inspired by the stories of Bordeaux, Birmingham and Groningen, maybe you, dear listener, wherever you are, will also be a part of it. Thank you, Elise Poirón, for hosting this episode. If you want to be updated about current advocacy topics around food, we suggest you follow Slow Food Europe Twitter. You will find the link in the podcast description. If you like this episode, remember to share it with your friends and give us a good rating or review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast or if you have any suggestions for us, reach out to podcast at slowfood.it or via our new Telegram group. You can find our group by looking for Slow Food, the podcast on Telegram. In the group, you can comment, discuss topics and share opinions on our podcast episodes. You can also send us audio messages with comments or questions to which you can then reply in the following podcast episodes. This is Valentina Gritti and you have listened to Slow Food, the podcast. Ciao!